The world we know is a collection of stories, tales, and legends, either real or imagined. All need to be told. There is a place to tell them. So if you want to go there, just click your heels and come join us. The Wizards of Odd. Yes, you have found the Wizards of Odds. Don, how are you? Okay. Wait, okay. did I did I just say the Wizards of Odds? I don't know what you I said. I think I did. It's I the Wizard drinking. of Wizards of the wizard, Odds. It's the Wizards of Odds. I haven't even been drinking and I can't even But talk. maybe you should be. I probably should be. Maybe you should be. Don, how are you? I'm all right. I'm yeah? all right. Everything's yeah, going I'm good? Okay. <laughs> yes, I was they x-rayed the hell out of me today, but I'm all right. All right. Well, that's uh did they put the lead thing on you? Yeah, they did. I was bulletproof. Uh, yeah, I had to go get some dental things checked out, but that always gets me. They zap you and zap you and zap you. I know. You know, it's like, okay. And it always makes you nervous because they're behind the big wall. Yeah, it's like, take care now. Okay, we're, we're going to wait back here for you. And I said to her that. I said, when I was a kid, I go, this is nice, but I said, when I was a kid, they used to wheel out these walls of lead to yeah. stand behind it. Like it was the friggin' Manhattan Project. <laughs> <laughs> they're ducking down with goggles on, you know. Like, I'm going to be the colossal man when this thing goes off. Don, I'm going to get this out of the way early. I know I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it's so much getting it out of the way as getting an important message across. I want everybody who's tuned in to hear this right away. Yes. Okay? Yes. We are now proudly sponsored by Silk City Hot Sauce from Vermont. Mm -hmm. This guy, it's the perfect fit for our show. Uh, They're oddly creating the best sauce in the business. They have a tight relationship with the Dutton Farm, which is also in Vermont, they grow all the peppers and all the various ingredients for Silk City to put in the hot sauce. They have flavors like Dragon, which is a blend of fire roasted and grilled peppers, to Jezebel, which is my favorite. That's my favorite. That's fresh raspberries, strawberries, and green habanero. Wow. Honey habanero. It's hot. I've had it. Is it sweet at the same time? No, it's not. No, it's just hot. It, it might be, but my tongue died okay. before it got to the oh, sweet no, part. I, this stuff is great stuff. I mean, Killer Hot is amazing yeah. if you really like hot sauce. Nightmare, it's, it's like a green verde sauce, which is really good. This is my second favorite, the hot syrup. Hot syrup? And it drips out. It doesn't, like, pour out. Oh, so you can manage it. Yeah, you can manage it. It's like a blend of... Maple syrup, apple cider, and freshly squeezed long hot cayenne peppers. That's a very interesting combination. And every bottle has like this amazing artwork yeah. on it. Yeah, right. Really you saw do. one they looks really like do. it almost looks like. Uh, remember that show? Um, uh, what was it? Night Night Stalker. That, oh yeah, I know what you're trying to mean. Yeah. It, and it also looks like who's that guy that um, Kolchak. Oh, One of the guys on the cover yeah. looks like Kolchak. Well, you know what it is too. Yeah, that's what it's got. A, it's got kind of a, a retro kind of. Yeah, like a. Like a, yeah, like yeah. I can't what's that? It. What are those movie? Those movie vibes? The ones that were um, with Bruce Willis and um, they were Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh, like you know the, the ones. I'm oh talking yeah, yeah, about. like uh, like uh, Unbreakable, Think, like things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Well, see, though. that's why I like this stuff too because this guy's a good. And they the, use comic book illustrators and this guy's to do this. Doing everything outside the box, which of course we love. We love that. Well, He's listen, originating stuff, which is cool. Go to silkcityhotsauce.com. 
Use the coupon code ODD and get 15% off. Whether you like hot sauce or you know someone that's obsessed with it, this Silk City hot sauce is the perfect way to indulge in the sweat-inducing condiment. Remember, it's SilkCityHotSauce.com, coupon code ODD. It's the kind of stuff you talk about and then suddenly you want it. Exactly. You want you the want sauce. It. You know you want the sauce. You want the sauce. Yeah. And the pictures on the cover. You want the sauce. And maybe a little breakfast on the side. Okay, I'm getting carried away. Sauce. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. good well, for, you know good it's, for him. Good for him. You know what's funny about that, saying that and getting that subliminal. We'll go on for hours. I don't do well, the other thing is, dude, I bought this thing to sleep. It's got air, It's got earbuds in it. And it's like a, a wrap that you would normally put like, it looks like it covers your ears, but I put it on at night. So it doesn't, the earbuds don't hurt my ears. Oh God. And I listen, sometimes I listen to the sounds of thunderstorms, yeah, yeah, yeah. but sometimes I listen to like uh, coast to coast. Oh, that's great. And they're talking about crazy stuff. That's great. The other night, I, I don't know what happened. It must've went to another thing and it was an interview with an exorcist. Oh, I, I didn't listen to that one yet. And it's like I saw that Lucifer came, and I wake I up. I'm that, like, "What, I Lucifer?" Put that, I put that stuff on at night, and that's like even the one of the Exorcist that we did. I don't want to put on at three in the morning. I know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. I, I scan a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and sometimes I get halfway through it and go, "All right, I'm done with you." I know, <laughs> you know, but well, and some, but sometimes it's very interesting. You know? We have. Um, I hope you've liked our last shows. We do have uh, a couple of good ones coming up. We have a good one tonight. Uh, actually, um, we are going to have live in our studio coming up over the weekend, uh, Peter Jordan, yeah. and he's going to talk about at least one of his famous things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he'll have one initially and we don't know where it's Yeah. We may have more than no, that, which yeah, would I'm be fine. That's a very interesting man to talk to. Oh, I love talking to him. But tonight, tonight we're going to talk about an American hero. He really was. That's an Amer- true. Admiral Byrd. A lot of people don't remember him that much in history, but he was huge. He was a huge person. He, he really was. He was he, like a Lindbergh-type figure, you know, in he, a way. He was like a Lindbergh. Yeah. Um, you know, he was born in, like, 1899. Yeah, old-school guy. Went yeah. up through the ranks in the Navy there. Became an admiral. Yep. You know, he uh, won the Medal of Honor. That's several, yeah, that's right. Expeditions to the North Pole and several to the South Pole, which is where we're going. But, yes. uh, you know, he did a lot of explorations, and he was highly acclaimed, and he was a, a major military figure because he planned a lot of their operations. He was so well-respected by everyone. I mean, he was um, – he commanded a naval naval air forces uh, in the Naval Air Station in yeah. Halifax, Nova Scotia, he, Canada. He was, a, he was a national figure. He really Almost was. A, he was really an international figure. In 1926, he flew to the North Pole. Now, some people are debating that. Did he really reach right at the North Pole? I'm not going to argue with him. I mean, this is a guy that, like I said, he was also presented with the Tiffany Cross versions of the Medal of Honor um, by Calvin Coolidge. I can't remember that Calvin Coolidge Coolidge was a president. That's really strange. Calvin Coolidge. Yeah, what was his nickname? I can't remember. I don't remember. Cal? Yeah, no. <laughs> Coolio. Coolio. <laughs> he had several rap albums out. In 1927, he actually had the backing of the American Transoceanic Company, and they wanted him to do a transatlantic flight. And his chief pilot was Floyd Bennett. 
Floyd Bennett. Bennett Field. Bennett Field in Floyd Long Bennett Island. Field, yeah. Right? But um He's a legendary people. I mean, yeah, and and he was very close with Charles Lindbergh. For whatever you, you think about him. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Yeah, some... yeah well, we won't I'm not going to talk about that. Well, then we may talk about some of his friends today. But I mean, this is also a guy that at one point he was stuck. I think it was in the Ar- in the Arctic, or the I get the Arctic and the Antarctic mixed up all the time. But it was either the Arctic <laughs> or the Antarctic, and he basically five months. And when they got to him, he was suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> And, you know, he barely made it. Yeah. But he he did it because he said it was important for him to be there. He was in like a uh, weather station yeah, or something. Yeah, he established uh, in Antarctica. He, I think he was the one who established Little America. Yes, he the, did. The original he did. The station is still there. Mm-hmm. In 1939, he went down there. I don't know if he was in it. Maybe there were. But Americans went down there in 39 to Antarctica. And they were doing an exploration, doing some work. And the Nazis were there at the same time. Yes. And they didn't really bump up against each other, but they could have. That yeah, was they were right very close. Because whatever they were up to, if we had bumped into them there and had a shootout in Antarctica, yeah, you'd be like freaking Ice Station Zebra, you know? Yeah. I hope you guys have seen that movie. That's a great movie. Eh, who cares? I like it. It is good. It's good. Well, I, I like movies that have a different thing to them. They're not what you've seen before. It's the same old crap. You know, you see something innovative, it's good. But he was also a um, um, a rear admiral in the yeah. Navy at yeah. the age of 41 years old. Yes. People, these are accomplishments that are, That's they're amazing. Yeah, these, these are things that, you know, even one or two of these things would be enough. You know what I mean? But they're more than enough. He, you know, this is a man who's... Here's another one. He was present... At the Japanese surrender in Tokyo Bay in September 1945, and then he finally left active duty in uh, October 1st of 1945, and in recognition of his service during World War II, he got the two awards of the Legion of Merit. So now, I think what we've done is we've established... His credibility. Yeah, I mean, you can go, you can look this up and go through details of his resume, but this is just to generally give you an idea who this man was. And when he was when he was on that ship in Tokyo Bay, uh, it must have been great because they were, they invited everybody who had a stake in that whole thing, like who had suffered or had lost, and they were they were getting even. They wanted to let the Japanese see all these people. Mm. I think oh, I really? Corregidor and this guy and that guy, you know. And I had a distant relative there too, apparently. So. Oh, I had no idea. That's why they did that. Well, that's a lot of it. They had everybody mm-hmm. from different places come in and witness it while they, they all... It was unconditional surrender. Yeah. Was, yeah. You're just going to surrender. That's it. And people all know that uh, mm-hmm. MacArthur wrote their uh, constitution and they're, they're and let women vote and all that stuff. And, yeah. And uh, that's pretty much what they wanted it today. Hmm. That's very interesting. I had no idea that... It was like uh, a cousin like three times removed than my grandfather or something like that. I wonder if he yelled anything out at some point. What do you mean? Like, I don't know. He's a MacArthur. So oh, probably when the uh, Japanese guy was going to start, they yelled, there's this drone. Just write it. <laughs> Just write Just get it. on with it. What's going to do with the I want that sword. I know. Like when he, he insisted he go back to the Philippines because the Philippines was his main place. He lived yeah. there. He had people yeah. he knew there. Apparently, maybe he had mistresses there, but that's where he <laughs> lived. He was like... You know, I mentioned to people my name there among some Filipino people. They, they know the name. He did a lot for them. 
Filipino are vast. That's a vast um, archipelago of many, many, many islands, like yeah. Indonesia. It's hundreds, of, right? And, and it really, like, there's a vast difference in all the people that live there. But Manila, in the main place, that's where they... And he went back. He said, I'm coming back. And they said, why do you have to go back? And we go around him. He said, because I said I was coming back. Yeah, he kept his promise. And he went, well, he shot it too tight. He got it off, and then he did it again to make it look... I don't care. For that whatever was reason. He wanted to say, look, we're rubbing it in. We're back. <laughs> you said we'd never be back. We're back. You know. So why would we establish what a credible person and what an accomplished person and highly respect, respected person Admiral Byrd was? Why would we do that? Because there is also a side that is extremely weird. Yeah, it's a strange, strange story, and it's it's questioned a lot, uh, and it's uh, it's fascinating, and uh, you know there's various reasons why people think somebody would invent it, but it seems like maybe he did this. And uh, I read it, it's, yeah, and to me, if he wrote it, I believe it. Some people said that, that somebody might have cribbed it from different things he wrote on different expositions, like I'm. I'm adjusting this, I'm doing that. But, you know, you wouldn't have to do that. But, dude, it's legit batshit crazy. Oh, it's absolutely It's no. completely yeah, batshit crazy. I, I, could, I could never vouch for the reality of this, but, I mean, it's, it's just the fact that this thing circulated is very interesting. So February in 1946, no, 47. February 19th, 1947. 47. He takes off. He's going to fly. He leaves his base camp in the Arctic. And he's flying northwards, and he's got a person with him, right? A radio man. Yeah, this is in the Antarctic. Oh, it's in the Antarctic. See, this is what happened. I know. I don't know Antarctic. No, this this story drove me nuts because I found so many side stories that are going to be separate episodes, first of all. But the dates are all blended and weirded out because some people question this and they fudge that. Because he did go to the North Pole in 47, I think. Yes. But also, this story is in 47 in Antarctica which preceded their expedition of 48 or 49, whatever, of high jump. So this was to the Antarctic? Yes. Okay. Which, so believe he, me, took a long time to figure out. He leaves base camp, and he's marking all this stuff in his journal, 915. Yeah, they landed. He's he going to take his this. plane. He's going to head right. in towards the pole. And they're going to they're gonna fly in there, see if they can get to the pole, see what they see, just do a little flight exploration. Him and his radio man. Him and his radio man. And his plane. And they're flying, and then he starts to see, like, stuff that you wouldn't normally see over the Antarctic. Yeah. He sees what he thinks is an elephant. Yeah, this is a journal that was found. Let, let's go back a second. Okay. This is a journal that supposedly he kept on this flight in '47 towards the South Pole. And he recorded all this in his journal, supposedly, and then he had these things happen, and then he, he wrote some things to finish it off in his journal. And uh, he came back, and it was it was quashed. It was killed. They told me how to keep his mouth shut about the story. You'll understand when we tell it. But his son found the journal many years later, supposedly. Right. Now, people dispute it. Some people swear by it. But that's its journal of what happened to him on this flight. And that's what, that's what we're going to tell you. We're going to just tell you never, what's in the journal. That was never supposed to be brought right. out, supposedly. That's the story of the journal. So, Don, he sees what he thinks is an elephant. What does he do? Yeah, he's flying along. First of all, it's, it starts out, he, in his journal, it starts out as like uh, regular stuff. You're flying along. Six o'clock, I left for the north. Plenty of fuel. We're good. I adjusted the mix. Radio, check, blah, blah, blah. All that. And they're going along. They're going along. 
And then as they get up towards wherever they're going, they feel a change in the air. And they look down and they see kind of, in this ice and everything, they see like purple fields. They see like colors, a lot of colors. Then he sees a mountain range. He said it was almost like a tropical, lush tropical forest. Yeah, he sees a mountain range that they uh, they never heard of before. And at this time, his compasses and everything are going nuts. And then he sees, they see this place and he comes in, he looks at it, he sees these mountains, a mountain range. Like a small mountain range, but big mountains. They have turbulence and everything over the mountains. He looks down this valley sees running streams and everything. Port side looks at the forest on the slope. This is unbelievable. The instruments are spinning away. He's at 1,400 feet. He goes in to see the valley low. It's grassy and lush. Suddenly he spots what he thinks is an elephant. Right. He's like, what? He's looking, he goes, no, that's not an elephant. It looks like a mammoth. A woolly mammoth. And he goes and they go around again to take a look. He comes in low and he looks and he goes, yeah. That's he what, actually dropped down to 700 feet. With binoculars. Feet. With binoculars. Right, with binoculars. And he saw green hills and this and that. And by this point, his radio was gone. He couldn't, he was no contact with his base. Right. He was just floating along. And as he, he starts to go along a little bit now, he's been flying a few hours now. He comes, things start to level out. And he looks ahead and he sees a city. Right. He sees a city in this valley, according to this thing. And it's a modernistic, crystal looking city. All I could think of is the Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz. I pictured it as the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, Superman's crystalline, Fortress crystalline. of Solitude. So and that's what he sees. So the plane goes, uh, it gets real light, goes out of control. His controls are gone. Now his controls are gone. And it's like he's being guided. He looks to either side, supposedly, sees a silverish disc-shaped craft flying next to him with what he says has a symbol on that looks like a stylized swastika. Right. And it's flying, and they're guiding him, and he goes along. Then he gets a message and says, the message comes through. It says, welcome to our Dominion Admiral. You know, something like that. Like, welcome to our Dominion Admiral. It says, we shall land you in exactly seven minutes. Relax, Admiral. You're in good hands. <laughs> All I can think of is like a tractor beam on Star Trek. Now, also, didn't he say that the accent was German? He said it had a distinct yeah, they were speaking German English, but accent. It had a Germanic accent. A Germanic accent. That he said. Uh, he had no controls in the plane. They were floating in. They were guided in. And, and then he has, he has notes here. It says, you know, like 11.30, they con- he saw the city and they contact. That's 11.40. We begin the landing process now, the voice said. Right. They're soft. They came in soft and they landed down. After they, they landed... Several men approached them, approached their ship, which because you can see it's a plane, and they said they were tall with blonde hair, Germanic looking, and in the background right. was this fabulous city beyond them, and they and they uh, they had no weapons or anything. They called him again by name, mm-hmm. and they said, "Open up your cargo door," and he complied. Right, <laughs> and then they escorted him to meet. Whoever was in yeah, charge. Then they, then they took But him. his radio guy had to stay there. Yeah, he was with his radio man. Right, his radio I man. forget his name, unfortunately. Uh, and after he opens the cargo door, that was pretty much the end of the journal, minute for minute. But after that, the rest he wrote in from memory. Yes. It said, I write the rest yeah. from memory. Be- yeah, because he couldn't bring the journal with him and right. write. And, right. and he had to leave the other guy behind, and they were going to take him to see somebody. He, and he said it looked like... Uh, Oh, they gave them a warm drink. Yeah. They warmed them, and they said it was really great, and they felt good. And they said uh, the place looked like Buck Rogers. 
Yeah, that's right. He did say that. Which was from the time, which yeah. makes sense. It looked like Buck Rogers. That's what he yeah. And I he, compared it to Superman. He did Buck Rogers. And they left the radio man aside, probably there in the lounge somewhere, playing three-dimensional chess with Spock. <laughs> and then uh, they took him alone into an, a huge elevator with big doors, and they, he went in, and they got out. and was in, down a big colored hallway, and it was an inscription on the door. But I can't remember what the inscription was. It was a big inscription, he mm-hmm. said. But he didn't really identify it. And, uh, oh, it says, oh, I think it said something like, we have no fear and live with the master. Right. <laughs> the hell's the master? That, what is that? Who's the master? Yeah, that, this, is a very, this is a really strange story. People purport this to be real. And it said, uh, welcome to our domain. And there was like an elderly man at a long table. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, putting his hands together like Dr. <laughs> Evil. You know what I mean? Yes, hey, yes. Admiral Byrd, we want one billion dollars. We've been waiting for you, Admiral Byrd. Do you know Hunter Biden? <laughs> but, uh, and he said, supposedly he said, we let you in because you are of noble character. Right. Now, this is what we were saying, right? They actually wanted him. They picked him out. They, they knew who he out. was from his expeditions. Yep. And they knew that he, from expeditions into our land, into our Reality, supposedly, mm-hmm. they knew how famous he was because apparently yeah. they would make excursions. Uh, and they said, uh, because you're a noble character and you're well known on the surface world. Yeah. And they were called, what were they? they were called the Ad- Adenea? Adenea. The Adenea. They the said Adenea. they were the Adenea. Yes. Which is weird because I think the, the word for God in Hebrew is Adenai. Adenai. Yeah, so it is. I don't know. I don't know if somebody did that. But again, remember. All of these but people why, it's talking. It's funny you have a Hebrew expression with Germanic people. That I was would just going to say that. That would be very interesting. Germanic people. That would be very interesting. Very well, you strange. Know what I mean? Most of the Jews that were persecuted were either Polish or they were German anyway. You yeah. Know what I mean, I mean, they were from those areas. They lived there. Yeah. They weren't outsiders. They lived there. That's the horrible thing about that. And they, they, you know, even uh, like Yiddish and stuff, it's it's really like a form of German. Hmm. It's very much like German. Guten Tag and all that. Hmm. But uh, I only say that because it might be a connection. And uh, they they were complaining to him about. They said they had to get involved because it's like almost like a bad movie because of the atom bomb. Yeah, it always comes back to that. We don't want you to destroy yourselves, right? So we're going to help you. You live on the ground. Don't worry about. Well, they even said at one point that they tried to contact us. And we sent up military jets well, and tried to shoot them down. No, they were talking about during World War II. Mm-hmm. They said they sent up ships to contact us, and they were attacked. But then again, but that leads you to the stories about, um, what do you call them? Uh, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. About Foo Fighters, and, uh, and people saw them. Yeah. Maybe they're claiming they were those Foo Fighters. I was just thinking that, like the Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah. Which was... That's <laughs> another funny story. Yeah. Peter, Peter Jordan, mm-hmm. who did a lot of lectures in uh, colleges for many years, was talking about UFOs, and he mentioned the Foo Fighters from World oh, he War did. II. And the kids were like... What are you talking about? That's the name of a band. They didn't understand. That's where the name <laughs> of came. Of course, they didn't understand. But they uh, barely know what and, and countries apparently, are. Apparently, when he talked about their ships coming up to warn us and all that stuff, they referred to their ships as fugal rods. Fugal rods. Uh, look out for it. That's our fugal. That's rods. our fugal rods. That's just such there. a weird thing to come up with. I mean, that who, is bizarre. I mean, who wrote this thing? Lindbergh. <laughs> uh, you, have to, you have to read up to get that <laughs> well, joke. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Uh, and they said they had to interfere at this time, and they said they said our leaders had already been told, and they were using Bird to go back there and confirm it. Right. They're saying, "Look, you know, 
is we tried to reach out to you after 1945, and your fugal rods were chased and fired upon. And they said, the dark times are to come. They said, they won't last forever, but mm-hmm. dark times are to come, and you should be, you know, cut back on your crap. It's... I'll, if it was coming from almost anybody else, I don't know if I would even want to... I don't even know if I'd give it any credence. See, that that could be the... That's kind of the insidious nature of some of these things, because... You could take a germ of truth mm-hmm. and wrap it up in a, in a legend and you take a, a reputable person like him and claim that he wrote it. I mean, I don't know that he wrote it. We don't know. We don't know. But, I mean, if somebody else wrote it, it's an insidious thing to do to use this man's reputation and background to sell your own theories. Yeah. yeah. And they, they claim that maybe there was people involved with one world theories and believed in underground civilizations that might have manipulated that to get their way. Oh, really? Across. Yeah. Mm. But there are many, many but, famous people from years that have believed in that. You know, we, we talked about that. Edmund yeah. Halley. Yeah. Halley's Comet. He believed that it was 400 miles of stuff down there, and then there were four layers of Earth over it. Mm-hmm. People lived down there. Who knows? Who knows? We, we don't go down there, so yeah. we don't know. I'm not going down there. No, I'm not going I've done some weird either. gigs, but I'm not going I'm not down there. <laughs> You, I've been you in can keep your fugal rods. Yeah, I'm not going you can anywhere keep your near fugal fugal rods away. Rod. I'm not interested. <laughs> but then they took him out. They gave him his little lecture there. This is this old guy in the uh, jumpsuit. I picture him in a jumpsuit like Michael yeah. Rennie from. Oh yeah, that's know, the right. Day to, the, the day, day, day the day so I picture that. If you don't do that, blah blah blah, clock the barata necto. Okay, yeah, get exactly. Out. Uh, but uh, they took him back to the big door. Took the elevator up. Uh, the master said, "You should go now." And they returned his radio man. They took him to his airport. And they actually followed him for quite a distance, They took said. him up again. The plane was already running. Yeah. Ready to go. He got in. They, they lifted him up to 2,700 feet. They guided him. Uh, he had no airspeed reading. An airspeed reading. Right. Like, he was just levitated. And, they, and then they said, you are free. Goodbye. And the fugal rods took off. And then he tells, he goes to Washington and he tells them his message. And what happens to him? Well, first of all, he went back to his log. And this was like 2.20. And this was, this was hours this took place. Yeah. I mean, he left at 9.15 in the morning. Yeah. So it was like a whole day thing. And, and, and when, he, when, they, when they let him go and said, you can go now, he said he was 20 minutes to base. Yeah. Like they guided him close? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, but then he reported it. Then his message went through. He had a radio check, and they, they, they were like, oh, we're glad to hear from you. We didn't know what happened to you for so right. many hours. And it's not like they could send somebody out. You're in the middle of Antarctica. You could be anywhere. Yeah, and there's nobody that can fly a plane like yeah. him to look for him. Uh, his message was reported. He went back to tell everybody at the Pentagon or whatever, the, the White House. And supposedly he was detained. <laughs> he was detained uh, for a long, long time. He was debriefed. They gave him medical tests and all this stuff. See if he's all right, what's going on, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And he was ordered to be silent. That they said they knew about it, but and they they wanted him to be quiet. About they it. felt for the betterment of the human race. Let it go. Let it go. But again, just looking at that, and we've said this before, for years and years and years, the government said we have no idea what you're talking about. No such thing as UFOs. Well, and yeah. then they come out and say, "Our bad, there are UFOs." Well, that's one of those things that, that unleashes a lot of thoughts about a lot of stories, right? 
Because you're admitting that, and that's part of a lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of this story. But it's insulting that they would treat a guy like, if this is true, Mm -hmm. a guy like this, like a a goddamn idiot, a nutbag running around. They they knew he wasn't, but the thing is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's infuriating. If, if you're in a, you think that you're in a position like that where you can expose so many things, then they have to destroy you. Because, yeah, because, they have to because you know they don't want you out there jabbering. Why do you think you have people like Buzz Aldrin? Right. Sometimes he says something. Sometimes he watches what he says. Yes. He only says so much. Yeah, because he knows. You got to that... realize these are also people who are uh, in in situations where they're. Pretty much in a, in a top-secret situation. They can't just tell you everything they did. Right. This is all... This yeah, is because all, it all it all overlaps. Well, not only that, even, even if you're just talking about the, the topography of, of Antarctica, you don't want the Germans to hear about that. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's that many levels to that. I can, <clears> well, that's true. As I, okay, this is a, a, a modern example of that. Look at Travis Taylor. Okay. Travis Taylor, astrophysicist, works on Skinwalker Ranch. Okay, mm-hmm. he's well known. Does a lot of work. He's got some. He's got connections with some, uh, you know, contractors for different things with the government. Uh, it, it turns out that the big re, the big report on UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon, they came out by the government after the Tic Tacs and everything. Mm-hmm. It was really. It turned out he actually authored he, the reports. Yeah. He authored the document. He couldn't tell the other people on Skinwalker Ranch. Because it was, he was sworn to secrecy under national security. Yeah. If he did anything, he'd be breaking the law. That's they right. had to understand that, and they did. I don't think they were happy about it at first, but they understood it. Right. We don't see what their reaction was. We just hear later. But I'll bet you there was some tense conversations. Well, because there's always going to be tense conversations, and especially around a situation like Skinwalker Ranch, because of the deep involvement of government authorities. Right. I mean, you right. have people there doing the research and everything. Uh, you know, Bigelow, that's a whole other can of worms there. That guy is a whole mysterious can of worms. Big, Bigelow, yeah. And, and he's not necessarily known as a great guy, but I don't know. But you have the other guy now. But, you know, these are people who are investigating stuff. There's connections to, uh, you know, black projects. Mm-hmm. You got the military investigating it. You got the the intelligence agencies probably down there. The DIA, who knows the CIA? It should be it's not supposed to be the CIA, but it should be the DIA. The CIA is not supposed to be operating in America. So here's my question to you: How did we find out about this journal? How his son was, released it. Okay, his the, son found it. I think it's I, probably shortly after his died. He died in what fifty six or something. He and died in fifty seven. Fifty seven. Okay, he was an old man. He was very old. Yeah, yeah. Was, believe me, this is well, a guy. No, actually, he wasn't. He was fifty eight years old. But back then, well, fifty eight was like seventy five or eighty. It was probably. like sixty or seventy. But you yeah, know what? Also, true. this is a man who had put a lot on his body. This is a man who had gone through freezing. It's not the years, yeah, it's the, the mileage. Mi- as wars, Indiana Jones yes, says, it's the not mileage. the years, it's the mileage. <laughs> the mileage. And his son, his son who, who worshipped his father, Yeah, he, he actually, his son was a naval officer who had graduated from Harvard. He was a naval officer during World War II, respected man. And he'd gone with his father on several expeditions and worshipped his father. He loved his father. Yeah. Supposedly, he's the one who found this journal right. after his father died. And the last thing his father wrote in the entry was, I had faithfully kept a secret. Yes, that's right. That was and the he, last he said, thing he wrote. And the truth will come out. And he said, I have seen the center of the great unknown, supposedly. 
That was the last thing he wrote. But his son, uh, like I said, naval officer, Harvard uh, graduate, and he accompanied his father on many things, accomplished guy. He turned up dead under mysterious circumstances. Now, I don't know if it's connected to this at all, but because of it's such a weird story, it has to be mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's something you could actually verify. Uh, I think October 9th, 1988, he was found. Uh, he was disappeared, and they found him. He was dead. And uh, he was Richard E. Bird. He was 68 years old. And he was supposed to go to Baltimore to uh, honor his father. They were going to honor his father. The National Geographic Society in Baltimore was kind of a big thing. And his son was going to go and honor his father. And mm-hmm. So his, his grandson, the, the son's son, right. grandson, puts him on the train to go to Baltimore where his wife was supposed to meet him, the son's wife. And they didn't meet him there. He, he was, they didn't see him. And that was like September 13th he goes down there. And uh, then they can't find him. And then eventually he turns up dead. Now, some people said, his family said it was very strange, the whole thing, because it didn't sound characteristic. He was turned up. He was homeless for those couple of weeks. They found him on September 28th dead. A custodian, one of, it was warehouses and old factories, a lot of, in the Hampton district of Baltimore, of which Baltimore. was pretty deserted at that time. And he was wandering around like a hobo. And he, they said the guy chased him. They had a bottle of booze and a bag. And he had one shoe. Now, they found him dead on the 28th after that. And he was dead in a, in a warehouse. He had dirty clothes on, like a T-shirt, like a shirt and jeans or socks. Mm-hmm. They're black from dirt. They'd, he was dead. He had one shoe on that was all scuffed up and everything. He was dead from dehydration and emaciated. But they don't know why he disappeared like that. How? And again, you mentioned it to me. What does that remind you of? <laughs> no, that immediately reminded me of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Because he got on the, to put him on the train from Philly to go to Baltimore. He disappears. He, they can't find him. He turns up babbling and dead like a homeless person. Right. You know what, what? I mean? I mean, it's so similar, the stories. I don't know why. It's like, is that how you die in Baltimore? They take the train to Baltimore. <laughs> I used to take, the, years ago, I used to take the train to Washington a lot, Washington, D.C., because it was like, like th- a little over three hours, three hours and 15 minutes out of Newark. And you would stop in, like, Philly, Wilmington, you know, maybe Baltimore, and you go into D.C., but it was like, mm-hmm. don't get off at the wrong stop. Yeah, I mean, jeez. Yeah. Holy cow. Although it's great that travel by train is great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I traveled by train to Montreal. Oh, did you? When I was in, um, I was in college, we went with about five other guys. We went up to spend the weekend to see a hockey game. Oh, really? The funniest the part, game? Uh, Rangers and the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Oh, God. What year was this? It's uh, 79, oh, 78. Wow. So it was still pretty hot back then. And I hated both teams. Yeah, I was no, just going I'm for the hockey. I'm thinking why you going there, yeah. But what was really funny was we get on the train in New York, and um, we head up and in Plattsburgh. Oh, God. A bunch of girls got on. We had a cooler full of alcohol. No. So eventually no one's left in our car because we're drinking and everybody just said, I'll go to another car. And the girls are in a car and we're drinking and everything. So about 20 minutes before we get to the border, the, um, what do they call the guy who walks around? The end. Oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, what do they call that guy? I don't even know. Keep going. The ticket taker, whatever. Yeah. I, he says to us, and one of our guys is like fall down dead drunk. He says, I'm going to tell you guys something. When you, get to, when you get to the border, you can't go over like that. Yeah. They will make it a problem. So we get 10 minutes from the border. We stop drinking. 
And we all spread out all over the car. So they come on the train at the border. Oh, boy. And they walk on slow, and he looks at... Conductor. The conductor, that's right. So he comes over to me, and he says, uh, <clears throat> what's your name? I said, uh, Ted Daniels. Joe Pesci. Where are you from? I said, uh, New Jersey. Where? I said, Jersey City. And he goes, where are you going? I said, Montreal. For what? I said, to see a hockey game. Okay. So he says to the guy in the row in front of me, what's your name? Guy gives the name. Where are you from? Jersey City. You going to see a hockey game? No. He says, uh, are you with him? No. (laughs) And I'm like, why are you answering that question? So they go through three or four guys. All of them say they're going to hockey games, but nobody's together. But we're all from Jersey City. That's funny. Now they get to this dead drunk guy who barely can keep his head up and his friend sitting next to him. And he says, what's your name? He goes, John. And he gives his name. And he goes, you been drinking? No. And he goes, where are you from? Jersey City. Oh, Jesus. He goes, you going to see the Rangers play the Canadians? He goes, no. He says, what are you going to Montreal for? He says, I'm going to see the Rangers kick the shit out of the Canadians. Oh, God. He goes like this. Which one of those is your bag? <laughs> the bag comes off. They empty That's the bag. That's so funny. Oh, it was a disaster. Wow, wow. But it was the, the thing I'll never forget about it. It was the old Montreal Forum, which if you're a, well, if you're a baseball fan and you went to the old Yankee Stadium, when you walked in, there was a sense of all that championship right. stuff and yeah, everything. Yeah, it was just like a, like a like a. It was a cathedral, like a temple, basically, like a cathedral, for sports. Yeah. When you walked into the Montreal Forum, you had those twenty-five Stanley Cup champion banners mm. hanging. And when you're watching games on TV, there was a guy with a trumpet that used to play. Uh, Triggering memories of me, and you I used heard to be that, a hockey fan, and you know. heard that guy because every Saturday night at home, we Hockey Night in Canada was on Channel Nine, yeah. and you heard that guy, and it was, uh, and it was really a, it was such a great adventure, but it was, uh, and the best part was the Canadians beat the Rangers like eight two, so <laughs> I was so really happy, man. but um, but it was, uh, but yeah, traveling by train is except it's, if it's you're going different. to Baltimore, it's different. You don't want to go to Baltimore by train. It's just different, you know. It is. It is very... I always try, like, even when I go to the Prudential Center, I try to travel by train when I can. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, it's a great ride, and then you get off into Newark, and you're like, "Eh, eh, eh, eh." But, uh... Yeah, I actually actually had to do a a show on the train. On a train? Comedy on a moving train. Oh, my God. It was me and Tony Darrow. And, uh... They said, start at different ends of the train. You go to each car, each car. And it was like, what do you think if you go out for several hours and ride around? Mm-hmm. And you do this car, and you go to the next car. And they only had was the uh, the uh, PA system that the conductor would use. Oh, okay. So you're like, okay, folks, I'm going to So it was ridiculous. You know, so I was like, what am I going to And the thing, you're standing there, and you're wavering around, <laughs> you know. I was like, okay, folks, you having a good time? Yeah, put all your valuables in a bag and pass them up to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and then we had to sleep in the train yard overnight, which was really creepy. That's I wouldn't want in to like do a that. car where you slept in. That's my stuff. Yeah, it was like uh, from Russia with Love. I was waiting for somebody to come in and attack me. <laughs> Holy cow! But that this is a this whole bird story, and there's so many stories off of this because when I was going through this, there's stories about underground civilizations. Mm-hmm. 
secret societies involved in the reptilians. Reptilians. And one of my favorite subjects, which we'll get to one of these days, the Vril Society. The Vril. He loves the Vril Society. The Vril Society is the reason for the Nazis and everything. Yeah, there. that's true. And it was very Lovecraftian. Wait, and when I say he loves the Vril Society, I, mean, I don't I love, mean he loves them. I yeah, mean I'm not joining. He loves talking about them. Um, let me ask you this question. And don't hedge your answer. I want an answer on this. Okay. Do you believe the journal's real? I don't know. I, I kind of believe... I, I was going to say, if you had... If I said to uh, you, you got to bet yes or no. If I, you know what it is? There's no real evidence one way or the other. But emotionally... I believe it. You know, intellectually, I'm not sure. So if we believe that the journal is real, that he wrote that stuff, Mm -hmm. we believe what he says he saw. Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories after that. We know Operation High Jump, which we're going to have to do. Yeah, we have. He went back back with a whole military force. Do you know how... I'm going to tell the people how long we've been trying to decide on doing this Admiral Byrd thing. It's two months. It's not easy to do. Because there are so many more. Operation High Jump is another big one, which I'm not even going to start talking about. There are whole other stories involved with this. Right. There's so much more. That's what happened. It got too complicated for me. And I was like, this is like three episodes because it's three or four different things, but they're all related. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I think I think it's the Antarctica is so friggin' mysterious anyway. Well, even today, everyone says they believe that there is stuff underneath well, Antarctica. The, well, there's a whole continent under there, right? I mean, an actual continent, not just ice and snow. Yeah, and they, they recently discovered a huge volcano active in the, in the ocean at the beginning. There. And, and, and people don't realize that you got you got all this all the seas are warming. You got volcanoes down there. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a huge vent in the Arctic that's spewing hot water all the time. That could be raising the temperatures. Okay? Yeah. That and, and the fact that you want us to give up everything to save the planet. And you've got places like China where they're putting up a new coal plant every hour. Yeah. Right. Between them and India, a lot of the pollution it's, we get comes across them. You can't just shut us down. Right. These people want to do away with us anyway. Yeah. it's uh, No, it's true. But All right. So I believe in it. I believe. I believe. And but I always want to believe. Tinkerbell is still alive. That's why, because I believe. <laughs> I always do. Uh, the only time on this show that I've never, I've changed my mind, mm. and it broke my heart. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Is the Amityville Horror? Uh, it broke my heart to admit well, that I think that was. Well, see, that's a case kind of bullshit. That's a case of where you look at the purported evidence as much as we have. Yes, one way or the other. And like with this, we don't really have that deciding no. factor. There, the preponderance lent against it. You know what I mean? Yes. The preponderance suddenly told us, well, the way they presented it didn't happen, which isn't to say that nothing happened in such a horrible scene of slaughter. Something could have happened, but yeah. they, they exploited that. And anything yes. you would have been looking for there was, was lost in, in the trash. Yeah, it's true. But listen, there's... There's so much out there. There's, I'm, I've recently gone down the wormhole of <laughs> exorcisms. Yeah, I've, and, had, I've had enough of And that. seeing a lot of interviews with priests who talk about demons. You're not going to win that one. I mean, there's, 
some of the stuff is like, all right, yeah, you know, it's a little boring. Some of the stuff is scary shit. Yeah, I mean, you you can watch it. You go back and you can watch. There's the um, documentary that William Peter Blatty did. Yes, with Father, uh, what was his name? Alto, Altor. Uh, yeah, the, the guy from the guy that the guy from the Pope's exorcist. The guy that Crow. Yeah, you know, represent. But in real life, he was a huge exorcist. Yeah, and I, when I saw the guy, I remembered who it was, and he's a famous. And he was doing exorcism, but William Peter Blatty filmed it. Yeah, you can go on YouTube and you can see something. And it's it's weird, it's, crazy it's, it's stuff. Like, I don't know for sure what's happening there, but there's something happening there that isn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to call the guy and see if we can do an exorcist on the Mets right now. But um, uh, we'll see, see if we can. Ted, Ted really is. That's why when you hear things where Ted goes, "Go Devils," it has nothing to do with the demonic. It's no. a sports thing. It's the it's the Devils, the New Jersey Devils. Even though their mascot is the devil, but we won't talk <laughs> about that. Go Devils. <laughs> Got to support the team. Um, That's well done. This was. Um, this was interesting. It's interesting talking about Admiral Byrd. This is I'm the a thing. This is one of the subjects where we talk about it, and people could be talking about this forever. If you get into this, and somebody else gets into it, you'll be discussing this and looking into this for a long yeah. time. And it's just one of those things. We have no real answer about it, but it's a fascinating story. People, do me a favor if you can support the show. And when I say that, I mean tell people about us. Subscribe. Like the show when you can. Uh, and get the sauce. Get the sauce. Remember, odd. Uh, O-D-D. Silk City Hot Sauce. But uh, Don, sauce. I'm afraid Are you? that our time is up. Oh, that's the only thing you fear? We're doing all right. Right now, that's the only thing I fear. So that's pretty good. Hey, uh, before we go, yes. how about if it gets dark really soon, mm-hmm. we pull out the telescope and see if we can see any mm-hmm. shit. We'll see. What do you think? It's still kind of light out there. Maybe. We'll see what happens. Good night, Don. Okay.